0: Welcome back to the Always Aggressive Podcast. Big show for you today here. Uh, Corey Palm, Tanner Lipset, Coach Tony Ursland, and A.J. Eads from the Big Ten Conference joining us. Uh, A.J., great to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, carving out some time for us this week.
1: Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Looking forward to the discussion. And uh, anytime we can get together and chat a little Big Ten uh, athletics and uh, a little flavor of wrestling in there especially. Looking forward to it. So thanks for having me.
0: Talking about uh, anything athletics related right now it uh, uh, sort of confers a sense of normalcy uh, in our lives so definitely definitely being able to have that discussion and we'll get to the particulars of of how the, the world's unfolding and how that's affected your your sphere and 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 uh, what the last couple months have been like for you and 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 you know your coworkers workers et cetera but first let's get into a little bit of your history now. We're kind of being overrun here. We've got a couple former Hawkeyes on the, on the pod <laughs> here with you and Coach Ersland. Uh, just, and if you want to get
2: even deeper, Corey, we got three guys that went to college in Iowa.
0: I'm just – I'm in trouble right now. You're I'm a little surrounded. Kind of, I'm, I'm completely <laughs> surrounded. Uh, AJ, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, uh, I know you're an Indiana boy uh, 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 originally, but, but uh, you matriculated up to Iowa City and, and then uh, on to the NFL.
1: Yeah, yeah. So as you alluded to, um, I am from the state of Indiana originally. So now brace yourselves for this one. My father played football at Indiana, so I know that might ruffle some feathers. <laughs> but uh, so I, Nobody, I actually, Nobody's
2: perfect, AJ. Uh,
1: we've all got our own crosses to bear there. Uh, I, uh, I was born in the northern part of the state and then grew up uh, most of my uh, formative years in Columbus, Indiana. And my mom actually is just wrapping up her career um, teaching and working at Columbus East High School. So uh, up until high school, uh, lived in Columbus, and then we moved to Greenwood, Indiana, just south of Indianapolis. That's where I went to high school. Uh, my father was our superintendent of the school corporation down there, and that's where he concluded his career. So uh, we grew up in, I would say, for the most part, the southern part of the states. but uh, played football, basketball, ran track in high school, and that took me out to the University of Iowa where I played football for Coach Kirk Ferentz. Um, who I hold in very high regard and think he's a tremendous uh, re- reflection, representation of the Big Ten in general, just the way that he uh, conducts his business and the standards that he upholds for himself, his staff, his student-athletes, and the whole program. So spent time in Iowa City, was able to graduate there in four years, and went able to, was able to uh, matriculate through and enjoy a um, uh, uh, mobile and uh, very fluid career in the NFL for five years, where I played for five clubs over that time frame. And so from 2010 to 2015, I bounced around, was drafted by the Dolphins, played for them, the Patriots, Colts, Jets, and Jaguars, wrapped up in 2015, took a little time to recalibrate and really hone in on what it is that I wanted to pursue as far as a second career. And um, in all honesty, a career that I knew was going to have more longevity than my football career did and was able to in relatively short order hook on uh, at the Big 10 office here in Chicago and have been here ever since and I love the work I love the opportunity to uh, be a resource to administrators coaches support staff and then ultimately student athletes knowing that we uh, we don't interact with them uh, as much at the conference office but we do keep in the forefront of all of our activities that our actions are going to have a direct result on the student athlete experience and the more that we can do to empower those on campus to uh, that do have direct interface with student athletes to put their collective best feet forward and that's 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 good on us so that's that's kind of in a nutshell uh, a little bit of my background and how I've gotten to where I am and happy to uh, dive in or uh, discuss any of that in more detail or kind of just follow the lead of what it is we'd like to you know kind of unpeel here with the collective
2: onion uh, well, I'd like to, you know, AJ, you, you definitely, you know, you, you talked about your, your NFL career wasn't what you hoped it would be, but in the same time, like you got more, you, you got a bigger bite at the apple than, you know, ninety nine and a half percent or whatever it is um, that, that, you know, put the helmet and the pads on to get a chance to chance to do it. Um, what was, uh, what was that experience like for you to to play in the league? Yeah, great question. So I would preface it by
1: saying no one benefited more from a tremendous team and outstanding coaches at the University of Iowa than I did. Um, I was fortunate to line up next to some outstanding players, guys that are still playing. Uh, Adrian Claiborne still playing at a high level. Micah Hyde still playing at a high level in the NFL. Um, And then a bunch of guys on the other side of the ball that I was teammates with. And then combined with, as I alluded to, Coach Ferentz and his staff, Coach Doyle on the strength and conditioning side, uh, my position coach, my, my defensive coordinator, those guys, uh, without them, I would not have had an opportunity to play at the next level. So uh, I did get a shake, and um, I, was, I was drafted in the fourth round. And um, this is something that some people know. It's not necessarily a defining factor, but I tore each of my ACLs. So I tore my right and then my left um, within an 18-month period of each other. So my rookie year, I tore my right ACL. And then training camp of my third year, I tore my left left ACL. And uh, not to, you know, try to commiserate or, you know, make it a, a sob story. But that was just something that was a very real part of my NFL experience was uh, being being kind of penciled into a corner of, hey, this guy's kind of uh, damaged goods from what he was in college. And that's a that's a very real part of the decision making process for. Uh, looking at rosters and, and the manipulation of a 53-man squad when there's not too many bodies to go around uh, collectively, the, the decision-makers in the front office look to squeeze as much as they can, um, rightfully so, when it, it's that combination and ratio of value and uh, cost and, and, and production. Ultimately, if you can't produce, then it doesn't matter uh, how cheap or how expensive you are, and vice versa. If you don't produce at a high enough level, there is a point of diminishing returns that has to, to be taken into account. So uh, overcoming some of those relatively significant injuries was part of my experience and spent more time in the training room than I ever thought that I would. I was never really that banged up in school at Iowa, I had some small stuff here and there, but um, the rehabilitation and strengthening process was big, big part of my time in the NFL. So the resiliency and determination things that I had always had there, were really got tested and, and put on the forefront during my time in the nfl but to kind of bring that full circle it was a tremendous opportunity to compete against other individuals at the highest level and that goes for coaches players um, general managers i mean executives folks that are the the point oh oh one of their respective industry and not just their industry if they were to go into other things they would be just as successful in those lines of work i mean we I think we all acknowledge if Bill Belichick decided he wanted to coach lacrosse or any other sports or go after any other line of work, he would be extremely successful. So, it, just an opportunity to learn from those people and see how they go about their daily business and see how they attack issues and and, and what the mentality is for those folks when things are going well and when things aren't going uh, as well. And there's there's some um, there's there's some tenacity that has to be involved with uh, going about work that's not easy and and trying to write a ship that maybe is lost at sea, so to speak. And, uh, just the opportunity to, to compete at that level was daily accountability that uh, unlike anything I've ever been exposed to. And, um, there's certainly other professions out there that hype or, or uh, focus on it even more. I mean, you look at jet fighter pilots and, you know, heart and brain surgeons, doctors in general, folks, that there's a zero, uh, margin for error uh, for accountability and success. And, uh, at least in my experience, professional sports wasn't quite zero, but it was very low as far as how far um, one could slide before there were decisions made on moving on to the next option. So that was the daily feedback was something that I really thrived on. And I've tried to to keep a central mantra in my undertakings beyond athletics now is um, it might not be as readily given, but the the, the idea of, of daily improvement and and, and getting better and, Everything that I take on is something that I think has helped me in my professional career, and I hope will continue to do so as I, uh, you know, continue on down these paths.
3: Um, it's sorry, Tanner. If I jump in here one second, um, go ahead. Something interesting to me here that I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to ask AJ. Um, you know, you talk about your affiliation with the Big Ten, and and uh, the student-athlete experience is a big deal for us, right? Certainly it is here at Purdue, and and I feel that way about um, the Big Ten as a conference in general. Like, the student-athlete experience is, is a very important and real thing, but very different than from your NFL career, right? You, you come in with aspirations, expectations, and you tear your ACL, and then the next thing you know, and, and it's not doesn't happen right away but you know shortly thereafter you're not on the roster anymore right you're looking for new homes and that certainly uh, I'm sure affected your career in a drastic way do you feel like that that helped shape your idea of of the level or how you wanted to be involved with athletics you know, you, you talk about, you know, pulling about these things of operating at a high level every day and being held accountable. But, I mean, do you feel like that was kind of formative for you as far as when you got into the Big Ten that that experience, the student athlete experience is still important, not just a results driven thing? I'm, I would be interested, since you've played at, at different levels, what that looks like for you and why you're in the Big Ten now
1: yeah great question tony and in short answer, yes, absolutely. My experience in professional sports um, had an impact on wanting to dive into athletics as a career at the collegiate level and I referenced it earlier, but both of my parents um, were public educators, and my father's now retired, and my mom's actually wrapping up a a long and successful career herself, and she's done at the end of this this academic year. So she's, she's kind of counting down the days a little bit. uh, until she's, she's got it all wrapped up, but uh, just growing up in a home where academics and the way in which one carried themselves and social demeanor, those things had much more impact on uh, longevity and success and, and, and the way that I was, you know, kind of taught to look at the world than one's athletic prowess or abilities. And I was, it was, it was, uh, very clear to my brother and I growing up that it doesn't matter how successful we were in the class or on the, on the field, if we weren't successful in the classroom, sports weren't going to be there. That was optional. Uh, once it was proven, we could take on our schoolwork. So that's always been a, 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 a keystone point of my upbringing is that education and things beyond just competition uh, really do have merit and they are the things that the foundation that that um, an individual you know, really has to build on in their life. So once into the NFL, and I presume all professional leagues are this way, uh, rightfully so, it's a production business. It is a high-octane output industry, and if you don't have the juice to get the job done, you can be the nicest guy in the world. And unfortunately, there comes a time when being a nice guy and being a, a positive impact in the community and in the locker room only goes so far because that organization needs players on the field. And if you can't produce the results they're looking for, then they're going to go in a different direction so once and that, and that wasn't news to me going into it, I knew that would be the case, but as seeing it play out and knowing that uh, the the focus at the collegiate level, certainly winning and, and results are, are are hugely important and it's what we all go to work every day, signing up to do is keeping score and looking at the scoreboard and hoping to win, <clears throat> but there's more to it than just winning games and, and coming out on top in the college sphere and being able to positively impact um, one's social experience at the collegiate level was something that um, on the front end, really, really I gravitated towards. And it continues to resonate with me on a daily basis that the vast majority of big 10 student athletes are not going to go professional or, or compete at the Olympic level. And we do have a very real possibility or a, a very real opportunity to, arm those men and women with the tools they need to be successful contributing members of society well beyond their their time on any of the 14 Big Ten campuses and that goes beyond just the Big Ten the collegiate model of being able to positively impact and give student athletes a chance an opportunity to pursue a career um, and to pursue an education ultimately before the career is something that I, I am really intrigued and is really I've honed in on Uh, being able to positively impact folks that maybe otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to to go to a world-class institution, to pursue a world-class degree, and then to have the resources at their discretion on campus to go out and put that degree to work on day one, day a thousand, day whatever. Once they've become a, a graduate of a Big Ten institution, that network and that ability to connect and lead and do things um, in, in communities and on a global level as well, is just tremendously powerful stuff that um, I try to keep in focus, um, you know, at the granular level, but also holistically when appropriate. that uh, something that might be a little bit, uh, might seem as if it's minuscule in scope, could have tremendous ripple effects and downstream impacts based on the application and the way that a student-athlete takes something and utilizes it in the development of his or her career. So uh, a little bit of a long-winded answer there for you, Tony, but certainly my experience in the NFL and my experience at the collegiate level, both were positive, both were successful, um, are are what impacted wanting to get back into the intercollegiate model as far as uh, making, making athletics a career move.
2: I thought, it was, uh, I thought it was funny that you, you referenced, you were talking about Belichick coaching other sports. You brought up lacrosse, AJ. Um, funny story was uh, before coming to Purdue, I worked at Amherst College out in Massachusetts. Yeah. And at the time, Belichick's daughter was playing lacrosse at one of the other schools in the conferences. And uh, he used to come to games, and he would sit way off in the corner by himself. <laughs> yep. like nobody bothered him. He just he got to come watch his kid play um some division three division three women's lacrosse and, and sat down at the end and so he actually he actually knows probably a few things about lacrosse which which i yeah. found really entertaining when you said it
1: yeah <laughs> bill's foundation is actually focused on lacrosse his uh the bill belichick foundation is i forget the i kind of I, I, honestly i don't want to speak out of line but it's i know it's <laughs> it is founded in the sport of lacrosse and providing opportunities for men and women, young men and women, up and coming um, players and student athletes to pursue um, opportunities. And I think it's founded around, not unlike football, a sport that requires space, it requires equipment, it requires individuals that know how to coach it. And those people need to know what they're doing to, to keep people on the field safe. I think that Bill's foundation and the Belichick Family Foundation is centered around uh providing funds and opportunities for the sport of lacrosse uh nationally but certainly in in certain areas there on the in the New England and East Coast areas. So yeah, he's he is a that's a sport that he is in my limited time with him he took a a very strong liking to that I I noticed. He he grew up in an, in Annapolis, um spent some time there certainly and pretty big lacrosse community there. The whole state of Maryland is is uh, lacrosse crazy. So um, yeah he's he's the you know, kind of focus 1A of football is the route that he picked but had it been a different route the way that 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 guy was raised and the the work ethic and resiliency and focus and everything else all those um, intrinsic attributes are what lead people like that to be hugely successful in any line of work they're ever going to pursue interesting
2: very interesting. yeah yeah he's
1: a well-rounded guy I mean it's it's I mean, even if you watch on the NFL network uh the football life where they, they're with him during the off season, I believe it's either it's somewhere in, in Massachusetts off one of those coastal towns. And I mean, very approachable, normal, kind of quote unquote normal guy that um I think like a lot of us when the competitive juices are flowing, you maybe flip the switch a little bit, but he is a guy that um as much as football is uh, what drives him and gets him out of bed in the morning, he has aspirations and interests and and uh, things he enjoys doing beyond the sport of football, just like I would think most of us that there 's a certain time and place to disconnect and recharge so that whenever you are that committed to something you 're able to give it full energy and, and the attention it deserves, and you 're not, you're not watching the clock or punching the time stamp on how long until you can go and get back to something else so he's he is um, you know he 's an interesting
2: guy for sure. So, uh, you know, like, like, like Tony, spent some time in Iowa City. Um, I, I poked over there a few times from Grinnell in, in, my, in my college <laughs> career. Here and there, got over, got over to, to see some stuff. But um, obviously, Iowa wrestling, very successful over the years. Um, did you have any interactions or memories of being around Iowa wrestling when you were there as a football player?
1: yeah absolutely so I was part of the crowd of the Iowa Iowa State duel Carver Hawkeye that at one point was the um, highest attended college division one duel uh, to date at the time I believe it was uh, either 15,900 maybe even up to 16,000 whatever the standing room only number was at Carver Hawkeye in 2000 and I believe eight it would have been um, I was there a buddy of ours on the football team one of our our walk-on teammates. Uh he was a fullback for us, Jordan McLaughlin was on the wrestling roster. I don't know if he he didn't didn't do a whole lot that year, but he was on the team. And so we had a little bit of um you know some skin in the game. But looking at Metcalf and some of the guys they had on that team and the success they had not only in Iowa City but well beyond, it was fun to be a part of. And uh it it was it was an opportunity knowing that there's not that many duels on campus um, or even meets on campus in all reality. Uh, you know the couple that we were able to get to because our schedules permitted we certainly made that an opportunity or made it a priority to get over and watch the guys compete. Um, yeah, Iowa won a couple national championships during my time on campus and um, we've coach coach Gable came back and he's spoken to the football team a couple times while I was on the squad and so there was certainly some connectivity there with the with the program and and just knowing the, the history and uh, you know, guys like, you know, Tony Ersland that were part of those successful clubs that really paved the foundation for not just Iowa wrestling, but Big Ten wrestling. And the, the way that wrestling in this conference is, you know, outside of the NCAA tournament, the Big Ten tournament is the most competitive amateur wrestling tournament in the world on a yearly basis. And that is something that I really enjoy being a part of. I enjoy being able to be a resource and work with these guys as coaches that are the tip of the spear. And they are as good as it gets. And then they're they're student athletes, whether it's a first year freshman who's ha- happy to be there and happy to have an opportunity to compete all the way up to a fifth year senior who is a shoe in for the US team getting ready for the Olympic games. I mean, it is the whole gamut and the competitiveness, the accountability, the focus, the work ethic, and, and just the dedication that is displayed uh, I, by our wrestling coaches and student athletes, I think personifies what the Big Ten's all about. And um, as long as they'll have me, I love being a part of the group.
2: Well, you kind of you kind of took 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 into the next question. I was you know I was going to ask how much you know being around a program like that in college, um, what, what kind of impact that had on your current position with the Big Ten. But um, you you definitely kind of you you went there for sure. So um, you know you're yeah, the you assistant know, I'm, director.
1: Go ahead. I was going to say, not to interrupt, but I've, I've got some, you know, I, I certainly try to keep this in mind um, as, as much as possible, but I've got some pretty, sho- pretty big shoes to fill at the office when <laughs> yeah. looking at the individuals who have worked with our wrestling coaches. Brad Traviola um, was a world-class wrestler in his own right at Northwestern and um, <clears throat> was part of the executive leadership for, you know, over 20 years, at the Big Ten office that worked directly with our wrestling coaches, um, handed the baton to Kerry Kenny from our office, who is an assistant commissioner and um, does a lot with our, our TV, television operation and is very highly thought of. And uh, you know, I know as a as a co-worker of his, certainly hold him in very high esteem. And um, I know the coaches, the wrestling coaches, um, those that have since retired and those that are active in our group that had a chance to work with Kerry, um, think highly of his abilities and his leadership as well. So to be the the third guy in line, um, you know, having wrapped up my second year here recently, that's something that I, I I certainly keep in the forefront of any any opportunity I have to interact, whether it's an individual coach, collectively as a coach during the coaches' meetings, um, on-site at the championships, whatever the case might be, um, I, I certainly don't take it lightly to have an opportunity to work with this collection of, of coaches and, and guys. You know, they're, all, they're all humans beyond just being wrestling coaches, and so to interact – and be a part of it is something that is uh, is not lost on me. And if I ever need a little shot of reality, it's you know talking to these guys and remembering that there are ad nauseum NCAA All-Americans, national champions, Olympic gold medal winners, uh, you know Pan Am games. I mean, you name it. Our coaching staff collectively, our 14 guys have done it. So it's it's uh, it's a nice nice opportunity to keep things in in perspective that this group has has been to the top of the mountain. And when they, when they speak, there's probably some reasoning and rationale behind why they feel the way they do.
3: Um, I, you know, and I would jump in. I would um, echo what AJ said, too. I think we've been very fortunate to have great leadership uh, in the Big Ten Conference, and that's a reason why you see the Big Ten where it is in wrestling. I, I never got to coach, you know, uh, when uh, Trav, Brad Traviola was was working with the wrestling group, but having coached at Northwestern, had, you know, got to know Brad very well and would speak very highly of him as well. So uh, fortunate to have Brad Tra- Traviola. But I was there also when uh, the baton was passed from Kenny who was uh, with our group for the first two years I was coaching and now the last few have been with with AJ so yeah I would say we've been very fortunate to have great leadership and uh, excited to see you know um, where AJ takes us in the future too it, it's been a great handoff you know I don't feel like we've missed a beat but I do feel like we've had tremendous people in those positions as you need to right to, to have your culture and your voice you know at the table you've got to have good people who can speak for you so it, it's been a great relationship and and I look forward to a a lot of years. Um, one thing I would ask you, AJ, too, is you know, as you made the transition, you certainly had some exposure to wrestling, right, uh, at the University of Iowa. Um, but what's what's something maybe you didn't know or you didn't realize as you came into this position? Is there anything or a couple of things that might have surprised you? You know, as as you kind of moved into this leadership position.
1: Yeah, great question, Tony, and I appreciate the kind remarks there at the top. Certainly, um, you know. Uh, things that are are central to me are, are you know keeping up the the big 10 reputation not just within the wrestling community but um nationally as our our is you know it's at the front and a wrestling perspective and a lot of perspectives but um I know that that is that's something that is uh incumbent upon me to keep going so I know that you won't but if there's ever an opportunity to you know, midstream adjust to uh, you and your 13 counterparts, you know where to find me. And I know that those calls are those calls are, uh, you know, not not ever too far away. But uh, as far as, uh, you know, the wrestling specific type stuff, I, I knew that Big Ten wrestling was a very big deal. And I knew that it was something that was followed um, very closely by those in the wrestling community. But honestly, what I did not realize until I got into the Big Ten office was how big of a deal wrestling was beyond just wrestling fans. And it, I think that is that is personified, and, and it's it's uh, proven by looking at you know the success that the Big Ten Network has had with the sport of wrestling in the last couple handful of years. Um, the sports of volleyball and wrestling on the Olympic side have been. Um, at the top of BTN's uh, programming and their their viewership models and their numbers and it's it's something that is a daily and weekly and monthly reminder to me that there are eyes on this sport nationally and it's not just quote-unquote wrestling fans it's people that want to watch highly competitive student athletes highly competitive coaches and successful student athletes and coaches, people that are going to go on to compete for and win national championships, individuals that are going to go on to represent the United States, whether it's an Olympic year or it's uh, U.S. nationals, whatever the case might be. These are people that if you watch big 10 wrestling, whether it's in person at our tournament or it's on TV, uh, whether it's the, the, the BTN offerings or otherwise, you're most likely going to see people that either have uh, you know, Olympic, uh, Olympic futures coming up in their in their uh, short term or folks that have been at the Olympic stage and and have done well to represent the country. And, and not that that's the, the standard, but, uh, you know, the national standard, the NCAA level. And just to know that that is all there and that there's viewership to back that up and going to our Big Ten tournament the last couple of years, um, just seeing the the turnout and the fandom and the support uh, again, not that it was a surprise to me, but it was maybe news to me to a certain extent that um, uh, beyond, you know, the Iowas and the Penn States and some that have been there on a national level for a while, uh, I mean, Purdue <clears throat> is a great example of a program that in a different conference is probably going to be your national chair, your, your conference champion, uh, you know, if not there, then right near there nearly every year. And to see the competitiveness and the drive to, to continue to elevate and to continue to grow and continue to, to want to get to that top echelon within the Big Ten is something that, again, wasn't news to me, but it was refreshing to see, hey, this is top to bottom, 1 through 14. This sport in this conference is as good as it gets. And it's, it's not something that is part-time and it's just convenient to, to go after for our student athletes and coaches. It is a 365, 24-7 undertaking and an opportunity to be a resource to those types of individuals is something that I I take very seriously, and, and I appreciate the opportunity both internally at the Big Ten from the leadership and from the coaches to, to be patient with me as I get up to speed um, on the sport of wrestling, the nuances of wrestling, things that um, uh, maybe I didn't know were as important as they are, but certainly um, can't be overlooked or, or misinterpreted or else it can have Uh, downstream effects and and for the negative in the sport so um, that's I think the as far as you know tangible wrestling specific type things um, I I did not trying to trying to you know think here on the fly a little little bit it's just the whole sports getting into the weeds has been a tremendous learning opportunity for me Um, I guess I didn't necessarily realize that uh, on the granular level, again, the seating component of how um, a tournament one through 14 <laughs> gets seated the way that it does and being able to contribute to that. He had to, to be, go there. Done.
3: Now we know this, the show is going to go off the rails now because the seating, no, the
1: seating,
2: seating meeting,
1: <laughs> the, uh, the attention to detail uh, that goes into those discussions. was just something that, I would say, uh, doesn't, it didn't surprise me, but it was, again, kind of news to me that, um, you know, there are some <laughs> some passionate discussions on how guys get pre and ultimately seeded into the conference tournament based off of their body of work um, during the regular season. So, uh, and I continue to learn every opportunity that I um, am around the, the coaches and I have a chance to interpret the manual and I'm at the tournament and, uh, you know, I visit with our coordinator officials or I visit with my counterpart at the NCAA office or whoever it might be. There's so many, so many individuals with a wealth of wrestling knowledge that every conversation I glean something and it might be minuscule or it could be, uh, you know, uh, more holistic in nature of, oh, okay. the philosophy of why this is the way it is makes a lot of sense. I'd never thought of it or interpreted it that way. So um, I'm very much in the growth phase with the sport and um, try to, try to ensure that any mistakes that are made don't get repeated And, um, trying to just ensure that if I make a mistake, I want to be transparent and and not look to, to, uh, you know, bury anything, but at the same time, try to make it to where the coaches, if they can show up and and allow their student athletes to compete and and do what they are there to do, then, um, that's what I want to focus to remain on and, and doing all I can to ensure that that goes as smoothly as possible.
3: Yeah. I, um, you know, it's, it's interesting um, because you made me think of something and and I'll probably go off on a coach speak here for for a minute uh, which is not uncommon but oh, no, 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 you, know, no, you. You, you know we have is, AJ on who AJ's played, you know, uh, professional, you know, uh, athletics, right? I mean, he's been at the, the pinnacle. And certainly wrestling, we don't have – we're not a professional sport. But, you know, in the Big Ten, as he referenced, if, if you're going to win a Big Ten title, you, you're probably going to have to beat a world champion, an Olympic gold medalist, right? I mean, that's, that's not an uncommon thing in our sport. And, you know, it, it's, it's a message that we deliver often to our kids. It's, it's not just, hey, are you thinking like a national champ? You can't even think like a Big Ten champ. You've got to think like a world champ. You know, I mean, in your thinking, that's where you have to put yourself. That's where you have to hold yourself accountable. So, it, in essence, it turns into, you know, from an evaluation standpoint and a mentality standpoint, into almost a professional sport. I mean, that's that is where you should put yourself. And as he was talking, that's just it. Just reminded me of that. It made me think of that because you know, often Dylan Lighty, um, you know, and I would talk, hey Dylan, you got to think like a world champ if you're going to beat a Mark Hall. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, man, he's won world medals. Yep. And so um, it's not altogether that different, I guess, from professional sports. Now, clearly the, you know, there's other components. We value academics. We value the student athlete experience. Those are huge in our minds. But uh, in terms of our standards, that's just where I, my mind went when he was talking. I mean, you got to think like a world champ if you want to win a Big Ten title, you know, and then that's yep. that's the bar that we're at. And, and I think Every one of us in the conference love that. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else because we always know where the bar is. You know, we're not going to fool ourselves into thinking we're pretty good, but we haven't seen Iowa. We haven't seen Penn State. We, you know, you, you've seen those guys. The bar is always right there. And, and we certainly don't want it any other way. It, it, it helps us know what we're shooting for and what it's going to take. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was something that I was just thinking about as he was talking, because it's a real thing. You know, you're, you're going to have to beat an Olympic gold medalist or a world champ to win, to win your weight a lot of times.
1: Yep. And that's, and I tell you, it's something that I keep in my forefront at the championships and our tournament is, you know, every, we got 10 winners that any 10 of them in a given year, if the cycle lines up correctly, could be uh, putting on the red, white, and blue uh, at the Olympic games. And once you're there, anything happens. I mean, I think we all would agree that once you get into that collective space and that competitiveness, all bets are off if you can get yourself to a to a world championship or to an olympic games and and you catch your stride and you might get you know the the, the bounce of the ball or the uh, you know whatever honestly i don't know what the wrestling analogy would be but if you, the brick, if you throw the brick if the brick bounces the right way on the challenge <laughs> uh, then you, know, it, it, you all you can ask for is an opportunity and that's mm-hmm. what i think as a competitor all of us are are in that in that mentality of you can never ask for anything to be done for you, but all you can ask for uh, in good faith is an opportunity to compete for it. And knowing that the student athletes and coaches that, that line up and do it and compete at the highest level, uh, if they can get themselves into an opportunity to compete uh, and represent not just themselves, but their families, their institutions, our conference, et cetera, at the national stage, I mean, man, we like our odds. And so anytime I have a chance to, to interface with the coaches or the student athletes that have a chance to do those things. Um, I really try to, to take advantage of those moments and, and um, you know, it might be quick. It might be a quick handshake and a congratulations, or it could be a chance to sit down and, and have a conversation and share a cup of coffee. And I really try to, to um, you know, just keep myself in that same mentality of these people are competing at the highest level and they are, are hard chargers that are also great people. And that's where I love the, the collegiate model of these people are getting up before anybody and training as hard as anybody and dedicating their bodies, their physical bodies um, as much as anybody, but they're going to class and they're showing up and doing things socially. And they're representing themselves beyond just the wrestling programs on their collective campuses and in their collective hometowns where they're coming from. And that's, that's a very unique and um, dynamic model that, I enjoy being a part of, I enjoy being around um, and I don't take it lightly. So coach to expand on what you were saying, that's, that is spot on.
2: You know, AJ, we've talked a lot, obviously, about the big 10 championships um, and uh, you know, what an incredible event it is and, and, and whatnot, you know, you've done the last two, you've been a part of the last two, like what is your, uh, what is, can you tell us a bit about what your job entails as far as the overall, you know, putting on the Big Ten championships and, and what it takes and what goes into it? My job is making sure the trains stay on time. <laughs> I uh, – no, that's – Tanner, great question.
1: Um, I alluded to it, alluded to it earlier, but the first real big process in our championship <clears> is, um, you know, assisting with getting that pre-seed built out so the coaches can collectively, um, you know, weigh in and get guys pre-seeded. And then we come into that pre-seed coaches meeting on Friday before the championship starts. And we go through each weight class um, and we finalize the seeds and work with our meat management platform to get brackets drawn up. And then it's – at that point, all the moving parts are, you know, about as about as solidified as they can be going into day one of the tournament. And once we get into competition, um, you know, my biggest my, – my biggest – Uh, focus is making sure that the coaches, the assistant coaches, the trainers, the student athletes, et cetera, are able to focus on what they are there to do. So whether it's working for myself individually, working with the event management staff on site to ensure the referees and the, uh, the coordinator of referees and the officials have what they need off the mat, or if they've requested, hey, you know, the on mat four, the anklets are all screwed up and we need to get some, this one's all, you know, it's little items like that that I want to ensure they don't become an issue. And if, if we can keep small things small and get ahead of it and stay, stay on the forefront and not be reactive, um, then that's, that is a great, a great way to kind of go through any sort of the operational components of a postseason event. Um, the, the television component on, the second day on the championship session working alongside BTN to ensure that they have what they need uh, for their on-air product, to be able to work with our our volunteers that are running scores from the mats up to the head table that are working with getting the student athletes loaded onto the mats to compete, to ensure that the warm-up areas are staffed and and there's proper oversight of what's going on there, to ensure that the weigh-ins are – are uh, are orchestrated correctly with our volunteer folks on on everything that goes into that process. And if 9:45 is the time, it doesn't mean 9:46. It doesn't mean 9:44. It means 9:45. And so, being punctual and being accountable to those timetables, and and making sure that if there are issues that come up, that we're highly responsive. We, um, you know, not just myself and my counterparts. Uh, we we take it very seriously to address needs in real time, knowing that you can't. You can't plan for every single thing there's always going to be one one offs and outliers and first time occurrences and the more prepared you can be to take those on, the better off the whole event runs and so whether it's a, a technological issue and maybe there's there's um, you know scores aren't getting transmitted in real time to to whatever they need to get transmitted to doing whatever we can to to try to circumvent those issues uh, and it's it's really just staying dynamic and being in a problem-solving mentality because there's if something is written down in a manual or as a bylaw or in the NCAA rulebook, generally speaking, um, that's going to be directive that folks need to take care of any issues. And once they bubble up to the surface of, hey, AJ, we've got scenario A manifesting itself right now, more often than not, there's not anything written down on how to address that scenario or else it would have been taken care of. So. I try to to stay in the moment and stay locked in and and stay nimble um, because some issues can be answered with a quick, you know, back and forth conversation and some issues can't be addressed until the facility has been cleared and we need to get ahead of an issue before the session later that afternoon or tomorrow. So it really just depends. Um, And sometimes it's, it's, it's mitigation of issues, knowing that it can't necessarily be fully resolved, but we can do things to improve it or, or as I mentioned, mitigate. So it's, it's a little bit of everything. Um, I I think the, the opportunity to um, put out fires and be a problem solver is really what I enjoy the most. And knowing that um, you could, you could be in this line of work for 20 years and inevitably there's going to be something come up that uh, you just haven't necessarily planned for. And you don't have a, a rule book saying, Hey, in this, instance, here's how you react to this outcome, or here's how you plan to, uh, to get this outcome and to come to fruition. So uh, it's, it's dynamic, it's very fluid. It is, it, it's, it can be stressful, but for in, in the healthy way, knowing that there's a lot of moving parts, there's a lot of individuals coming and going, there's a lot of stakeholders that have vested outcomes and decisions that are made. And it's important that all of those people are, are attended to and and responded to as quickly and, and as authentically as as possible. So it's um, it's 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 very engaging, and I enjoy the work. It's a tremendous opportunity to uh, be around highly competitive individuals that uh, that just want to have a chance to compete. And the more that we can keep the focus on the competition and competing within the bounds and the spirits of the rules, then. Um that's, that's really where I want people to leave and look back on events and say, yep, that was that was well run. It was well orchestrated. The administration did a good job. We were able to show up, warm up, compete, et cetera. And the, the, the focus was there. We didn't have to worry about all these other outside influences taking our focus off of what we were there to do. And that's really what I try to ensure happens um, when I'm on site at championship events.
0: You can there's definitely a tell
2: lot you're... there and it's yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say there's a lot there <laughs> yeah it's, I mean and that probably I mean that probably doesn't even give people really a, a clear look because you know the underlying factor of that whole thing is you're dealing with wrestlers <laughs> 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 and so that means all bets are off at all times yeah yeah and that that kind of you know that, that goes back to the
1: mantra of just staying dynamic and staying fluid and you know, you could get the exact same question from two coaches and it might, you might get to the same answer, but it might be two very different conversations of getting there and just kind of being able to to stay in that, in that place and that mental, that mental area where nothing's personal and you've got to have thick skin. And that was something that uh, my background in, in athletics uh, just kind of naturally has, has, uh, has grown and, and fostered within my my psyche is that when there's competition going on, nothing's personal. Everybody just wants to compete and do well and win. And I know that. And I try to keep that at the forefront of anything that comes to me is it might sound extremely personal, but generally speaking, it's not. And folks just are in the moment and they're and they, and they want information. And if it's available, they want it in a quick manner so they can get back to what they're there to do. And that's, that's what I try to assist with. So um, it could be, it could be a, an assistant coach saying, hey, it's, you know, the, the board in the back is glitched, and I don't know if I'm on deck in the hole or if I've got 35 minutes. It could be a referee saying, you know, hey, I, I, uh, I noticed on Matt 2 we're getting a little close to guys going off the edge here, and I think we need you know, before next session, we need to get these mats moved. Um, it could be uh, our coordinator saying, hey, uh, you know, we need to get some chairs out here so when guys aren't wrestling, they got a place to sit and be out of the way but still relevant to what's going on. Um, you know, keeping, keeping the DB Sport video replay system up and running if we have any sort of technological issues. And if we don't, how to continue to make sure that we don't have those issues, knowing that's a central part of what we do. Um, you know, and it's, again, it, it can be anything. It, could, it can really manifest itself in a number of ways. And um, I enjoy the opportunity to be well-versed in a number of aspects that come together as championship administration and being able to address those issues in real time. And sometimes the answer is not what people want to hear or they expect to hear, but it's got to be grounded in rationale and why the answer is what it is. And as long as that's the case, then, um, you know, we can all lay our heads down at night knowing that we did as much as we could, but there's always room to get better and improve. And that's, that's also a key component of what I, I try to keep keep in the forefront of my undertakings is it can always get better, but at the same time, if you try to do too much, it can muddy the waters and there's a fine line of knowing where that, that place lives and, and uh, knowing when, uh, uh, you got to be a little bit shorter, or you can take time to really expand and delve into details based on the scenario.
2: Well, twenty twenty one Big Ten Championship State University, the Bryce Jordan Center, um, has work has work already begun on that. When does that, or if not, when does that start?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, we were as disappointed as anybody with, um, you know, naturally the COVID nineteen. Situation playing out the way it did because it led to the U.S. trials um, getting oh. scrubbed out there at the Bryce Jordan Center, which would have been a a very close representation of what the Big Ten tournament would have looked like. Given that it would have been formats, um, it would have been in the same venue. There would have been a lot of the same components as far as um, the competition elements of the event. So, not to mention a um,
2: crowd. So
1: exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, you've got that many people that are are on top of you in a a dynamic venue such as the BJC and, um, you know, the Penn State staff was certainly looking forward to putting that event on and, and, you know, taking their notes to prepare for the Big Ten championships um, this coming season. So, you know, Tanner, I would say yes, preparations have certainly begun. Unfortunately, they've taken a little bit of a pause right now, just given that, uh, the scenario and the environment we're in. And, uh, the Penn state group was really looking forward to capitalizing on having the trials. And unfortunately that did not come to fruition. Um, past April. So, um, you know, that's, it's all stuff that's for the time being, we're, we're, we're just in waiting, but they will certainly resume here in due time and we're all hopeful that that's sooner rather than later. But as far as the, um, the championship preparation, uh, we'll really start to hone in with the event management staff and the administration at Penn State as we get into the fall seasons here in the coming months and ensure that they've, they've got the answers they need, they've got the information they need to uh, continue to advance with their preparation. Um, and every, every event or every campus goes about this event a little bit differently and they put their own touches on it and they have their own ways to be um, dynamic and, and have a little bit of flair. And that's where we defer to the local campuses to make those decisions. And, and they know their, their facility, they know their people, they know their, their um, vendors better than we ever could. And so we don't look to impose too much um, in, in those regards, knowing that um, what might work really well at Rutgers, for instance, this past year may have very little bearing on what Penn State does and what worked well at Michigan State a couple of years ago may not have any impact on, um, you know, what Rutgers did this past year. So in, in a number of those areas, we look to be a resource and help direct conversation as necessary, but we don't want to, we don't want to micromanage those events. Um, knowing that we could, there, there is a certain point where there can be too many cooks in the kitchen and it can really dilute the offering. And, and that's the last thing we want to do. So we're, we're always a call or email away, but if the event management staff and the folks on campus have a good feeling of of how they want it to look and feel and come together. um, Then we, we don't look to, to uh, stick our noses in too deeply on the front end on the planning processes. Um, But we certainly, we, we, we are, are, we are available as resources as needed. So um, yeah, things are, things are progressing out there with uh, the Penn state crew getting ready. I know that Kale and his group is excited and eager to host. And it's been a, it's been a while since it's been on campus in uh, happy Valley and, they're eager to put on a good show and represent not just themselves as an institution, but the conference as a whole. And we certainly um, as a conference staff are looking forward to that as well.
2: Outstanding. Corey, do you have anything else for AJ on this thing?
0: Um, You can tell when you're talking to a great interviewee when his next, his current answer takes care of your next question. And AJ's been doing that all day long with me. I'm just <laughs> knocking things off my list here, and I haven't said a word. Um, going back a little bit, and, and, and I know we don't want to keep you forever, uh, obviously, AJ. Uh, I'm certain you have other things going on today. Um, you said something that really fascinated me. I hadn't thought about this at all. The Big Ten wrestling is, you know, world elite level. Um, when you mentioned that, you know, decisions you make kind of set the – they can set the tone on a world level in the sport. That's fascinating to me. Is is there any uh, – do you spend any time thinking about that? Or too much time thinking about that? Does that play into your your uh, thought process at all in, in your day-to-day, or is it something you just have to be cognizant of and ignore?
1: Uh, I would say – it's a little bit of everything outside of ignore. I don't ignore that mentality at all. Um, I try not to overthink it because I I think it's, you've got to follow your intuition um, in a situation where you're prepared to do so. I would never want to follow my intuition. If I found myself trying to, I don't know, land a stranded airplane. If the pilot had a heart attack and died, like that's an instance where I need someone to tell me exactly what to do, prescribe it, (laughs) hold my hand until this thing is done versus, uh, you know, if there's an instance where you're well versed in something and you have experience to fall back on, and and you feel as if you've you've proven not just to yourself, but to others that you can be trusted and you're accountable, then I think there is a level of trusting one's gut and intuition when and where appropriate, you never want to be reckless, and you never want to underprepare. But if there is an instance where real time decisions have to be made, relying on um, precedent and things that have worked well in the past is a huge part of being successful in any sort of undertaking, particularly um, when the stakes are, are as high as they are in a sport like wrestling within the Big Ten. So uh, as far as, as, as the mentality and mantra of knowing that there are international implications and certainly national implications, um, I keep it, I keep it in, my, in my psyche whenever we convene as a coaches group or whenever I'm preparing to go to the championships, our championships. And then I also look to learn as much as I can when I'm at the NCAAs, or I have a chance to, to observe the U.S. trials, or I was really looking forward to, for instance, watching Tokyo this summer and watching the, the wrestling portions to see what those guys do and, and what works well and what we could incorporate. So um, it's, it's an instance where I don't try to do too much because if we were to line up our 14 coaches and myself, um, the wrestling experts, it would be one through 14 and then there'd be a huge gap and then it would be AJ. So I, I don't ever look to impose um, specifically wrestling type things um, because I'd be the last guy to do that with the wealth of knowledge in our group. But if there are certain conference directives and initiatives that have worked well in other sports and things that we can at least have a discussion um, about in our group then I, I am certainly uh, – I try to remain open-minded and, and uh, welcoming to those, those scenarios when they're appropriate, knowing uh, – I referenced volleyball earlier. If that sport were to ever, um, you know, do something that would make, make sense in a sport like wrestling, then I would, I would put that on our annual agenda as a coaches group to, to give a little time to discuss. And there might not be any application at all, or it could be something where our 14 guys say, hey, that is a great idea. Let's, let's see if we can't follow suit. So uh, you know, it's a little bit of both. I would say um, of being respectful and mindful of of implications. But you know, I I don't I certainly don't look at myself as the wrestling czar by any means, and I'm I'm still I'm still learning and getting up to speed on on where the points of passion lie. And um, you know, none, no no decisions are made in a vacuum at our operation. They are transparent, and the respective parties have an opportunity to weigh in and everything has a governance structure before it goes into effect. And so um, I try to ensure that if any big decisions are being laid out, that I am as prepared as I can be to help the decision makers who ultimately um, are the ones weighing in, arm them with the knowledge they need to make informed choices and be able to uh, proactively predict what sort of questions might be asked and what sort of references might be used uh, to draw comparisons. So, those those are the types of that's that's the type of, of mentality I use when looking at uh, what decisions could impact Big Ten wrestling. That naturally, whatever we do, others in our landscape are probably going to look to follow suit if it's appropriate and the resources provide. And then if we, you know, if, if that trickle effect comes to where the NCAA and our national body does something in the sport of wrestling, then um, you know, internationally, that could have ramifications and effects. So uh, not to not to get too Global on the on the frame of reference there, but it is something that i I keep in my in my uh my thinking as I prepare for uh, individual meetings coaches meetings or the championships, and just um don't overthink it, but I know it's there so it's it's all it's all part of the collective uh ball of wax that is Big Ten wrestling, and as I've said a few times now i just I'm very thankful for the opportunity and I don't take it lightly to to work with this this group of coaches and these student athletes.
3: A yeah, uh, right couple, couple of things I would highlight too, as well, guys, at least that I go to AJ about, I'm sure he gets lots of calls on these things, but you know, when you're talking about scheduling, you know, that's, that's always a huge point that we're, uh, we, we discuss, we seems like we spend a lot of hours on, on discussions with scheduling and things like that. So he is kind of the liaison with that as well as TV, which they go hand in hand, you know I mean? Um, and I think you know, we've talked a lot about that, but uh, I think wrestling was the third highest sport on BTN, and so they're always wanting to grow and put more events on TV, which is great. But obviously, how and when we schedule and why we schedule the way we do comes into play, and and that's where you know AJ's discussed maybe how volleyball is doing something. You know that might be a scheduling issue or things that as coaches we see how they fit and implement. It's not always obviously strict just wrestling technical issues. So there there's a lot of hats that, that he has to wear that comes into play when we meet
1: yeah Tony and exactly right we're and I appreciate that Um, and I I mean I would certainly um give a lot of credit to my teammates that um arm me with knowledge in advance of these meetings uh, our coaches meetings that is and um you know they're as, as much of a resource as anybody and I'm I'm the one just trying to to carry the water so to speak but you you alluded to it we're tremendously fortunate in this conference to have a dedicated uh distribution partner in BTN that we are we are so closely knit with, and we we work so closely with that operation and and, and vice versa to to give you all as coaches and, and uh, institutions what you need to to get done what you need to get done as on a competition level while still arming BTN with what they with what they need on a on a competitive uh, programming linear programming schedule, and being able to thread that needle of You know, getting two or three or multiple parties' needs addressed in one cohesive undertaking is, you know, it it can be a challenge. And it's when you have multiple stakeholder groups that have different interests, but there is some commonality there. It is an opportunity to to kind of broker the peace, so to speak, and and realize and help help groups um, outline where concessions maybe could and should be made for the greater good. And if everybody can um, collectively move the ball down the field at the same time. It's funny what the synergy can look like and, and, and how the, the water, when the water rises, everybody comes up together. So that's something that we are extremely, extremely caught of and, and, um, and something that we don't, we don't take lightly. we want to continue to grow with and improve upon as we get into these things.
3: All right.
0: Aj, I think we could talk all afternoon if, uh, yeah. if this is this has been so fantastic and and fascinating uh, on so many different levels. But we will leave it there. Um, I, I do gotta say, uh, hopefully, hopefully next time. We, we actually meet up in person. I need to hear some off the record stories from those uh, seating <laughs> meetings from your vantage point, no doubt. My biggest
2: regret from the twenty nine the twenty twenty championships was that I had to miss the seating <sighs> meeting. I I, I, didn't, I didn't go this year. It used to be used to be like I, I put it on my calendar. Like that was something I would. Big Ten Championships, man. I got to go to the seating meeting. That was you know that was a highlight for me, and I missed it this year, and I was bummed
1: it's just from talking to Carrie and Brad in the past instances of how, how that meeting used to go. I think that I've, I've gotten the diluted version here the last couple of years, but there's still some, there's still some moments of, um, you know, of interest, I would certainly say, but it's, you know, it's a great opportunity to exercise um, some diplomacy on, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's a nice fruitful, uh, sunshine, green, blue sky type of feedback, and other times it is, hey, we've been talking about 174 for 30 minutes now, and it's time <laughs> to get this concluded and let's move along. So it's, uh, you know, it just kind of depends, and uh, you know, I think that I appreciate the coach's trust, and you know, hey, you know, lead us the way it feels appropriate to lead us, and sometimes in some places, yeah, let's let's take all the detail and you know, really, really bite the apple versus. Let's keep this thing going, man. We got schedules this afternoon. We got to keep. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of again, kind of, kind of trying to to acquiesce appropriately without, um, you know, giving anybody unfair opportunity to contribute and weigh in and all that stuff. So it's, I enjoy it. It's 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 a dynamic group. It's a group with high expectations. Which, as Tony alluded to, I wouldn't have it any other way. I would be disappointed if it was a group that just kind of rolled over and said, "Do what you want." And it's not that, and I don't envision that it ever will be. And, um, I, I really enjoy the challenge. I enjoy the, the chance to mature and and grow in my own abilities every time I come away from one of these, these touch points with the group. And, uh, it's just, you know, it's fascinating work that's, you know, I kind of pinch myself that I get an opportunity to do this on a daily basis. And, um, you know, as long as they'll have me, like I said, at the top, I'll continue to, to hopefully be a good resource and be valuable and, and help the group get done what they need done.
3: Well, uh, I know we're wrapping it up, but Carrie, thank you for coming on. Or I said, Carrie, you got <laughs> yeah, think like right to thinking about Kerry Kenny Right now, do on
2: my end, got to stay on it.
3: <laughs> How about that? You you took me down uh, memory lane. I'm sitting here thinking about Carrie as well. But um, AJ, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on and and your insight. And uh, I know your your world is busy and upside down like a lot of ours right now. So I do I do really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the, the call with us today. Okay, man.
1: No, my pleasure. Seriously, I enjoyed it myself, and, um, you know, I'd be happy to to join you guys again uh, once we, you know, kind of resume uh, normal, you know, once we get to the other side of uh, what we're faced with right now, and, uh, you know, I look forward to to being a part of that process, but yeah, I I enjoyed it, and I I truly, I mean, I I, I was happy to join, and I look forward to doing it again, and um, if you guys will have me, then you can go ahead and count on it.
0: Oh, I think you sure. can count on that. Once you get your hair haircut, we can see your, your, your face. We'll, we'll get you back on here. You got that COVID <laughs> throw going? You're not ducking us. <laughs>
1: I got the Gordon Gecko going right now. So know. yeah, once we get that reined in, then yeah, we got we can get the camera turned on a little bit. That sounds that sounds like a deal. <laughs>
0: AJ, agent, Big Ten Conference. Thank you again for joining us. That, that will do it. We'll uh, we'll leave it right there. We'll catch you next week on the Always Aggressive Podcast. Boil it